turned upside down. I think that sounded good. That sounded really good. Okay, so this week has been... Oh my god, it's the apocalypse. <laughs> the apocalypse is happening. So I know this is coming out next weekend, but we're recording this on the 14th. So, like, our like at least my world has turned upside down last week. Yeah, it's, mine isn't... You're, you're just busy in general. No, but but I say, like, the the environment that I'm, like, now in, mm-hmm. like, my, I can sense the world being turned upside down right now. Yeah, so I work in hotel business, for those who don't know, and we are not doing great right now. Yeah, really not a good time. Not a good time to be a hotelier. Yeah. Uh, or an airplanier. Or an airplanier. Um, I'm so sorry to everyone who's in the airplanier business. Bad sit. Bad sit <sighs> right now. I feel your pain. So, but maybe when this comes out. So, basically, we, have a job. we yeah, live probably. in northeastern United States. So, like theoretically we're not like in one of the outbreak zones but like actually it is because well you know why we're in the outbreak zone why in boston because because that, that 60 person but bi- yeah so okay so biogen is one of our biggest clients at our hotel mm-hmm. they are literally the next corner over they're right next to our hotel they had a meeting a couple weeks ago at long wharf they had two two meetings one with the associates, one with the managers, and the one with the managers is the one that someone was sick with the coronavirus. Yeah, there was someone with a confirmed case later. Yeah. So there was like 176 people, I think, at the meeting. 108 of them right now have coronavirus. God, that spreads. Because so, it's, it's a business meeting. Everyone's shaking hands yeah. with each other. So Long Wharf is closed down. And I'm wondering when I'm going to be next. So <laughs> right now I'm already like down to four days a week working and most people at my hotel not most but a lot of people are laid off and the wait pause for a second because joel um joel when i was editing on the car right i did edit for a little bit on the okay. car right here and he was like i was laughing because there's this massive burp in the middle of um the story and no one said like it wasn't even addressed and really just continued on that happens and like half the time i know and i like look back like listening back i hear the burps and them just Lord, at how loud they are and how little we acknowledge yeah, we, them. We just forget that we're because this happens all the time. Yeah. So we forget we're like recording. Yeah. An episode that we should probably like stop and then re say what we were yeah. about to say. And so instead, I'm like, all right, well, I'll take this whole sentence out yes. now. Because <laughs> they're always drinking like alcohol, and alcohol makes me burp more than anything yeah, else. Same. Even water makes me burpy. Yeah. Same. Any liquid or food. <laughs> Actually, yeah, also just air. Like, <laughs> being alive, I get, it gets me real burpy. Yeah, I'm real burpy. Burp. I wake up and I burp. So, yeah, uh, shitty week, <laughs> to shitty say the least. Shitty week. Very Literally, shitty. in one week, like, Thursday, fine, we had high occupancy in our in our hotel, like, 90%. Five days later, 20% occupancy. So, like, we, our hotel, like, was went into chaos. And yeah. And nobody knew what was going on. Nobody still knows what's going on. And every time I go there, I, like have like anxiety the whole time oh my god i have to tell you a funny story so yesterday we so mondays and tuesdays there's someone at our hotel that comes and does meditation and yoga with us Mm -hmm. and so they're only there monday and tuesday but this was a really really stressful week so um yesterday all five of us in the accounting office 
turned off the lights, closed the accounting office door, sat in a circle, and played a YouTube 10-minute meditation video, and we were all just, like, in chairs, their eyes closed, singing, like, listening to something that said, you're in a meadow, you can feel the ground beneath you, like, all this stuff. Yeah, 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 I do that, that's, like, very common for you to listen to. No, yeah, but it was, like, all of us in our, like, business suits, like, doing that, (laughs) and then all of a sudden, in the middle of it, I heard a door open, and we forgot that there, there's an IT guy there, like, once or twice a week, and we forgot (laughs) that he was there, and his office door was closed, so we really didn't realize it, and he just opened it, and then I looked over at him, and he was, like, looked so confused and, like, startled that there was this cult (laughs) chanting happening in the middle of the office. And then I like cracked up and nobody else noticed. Literally what? everyone opened their eyes like five minutes later and I was like, isn't that f- so funny when he came out and everyone was like, when did he come out? They were like, we actually just fell asleep because we were so tired yeah, they're from like, being so they're anxious. They're like, we were in such a trance. We didn't, we didn't even see him. That's so wild. Your, your laughter. Wow. So, that's wild. But it's, yeah, we've ate a lot of chocolate and ate and done a lot of meditation we're trying to get through. So coronavirus is taking over right now, um, but maybe when you're listening to this, everything will be saved. Or everyone... And then you'll be saved. <laughs> and then you'll be saved. Uh, uh, and then you'll be saved. Um, but yeah, maybe in a week when you're listening to this, all will be much more normal and coming back, but also... No. Probably not. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Not going to happen. As all the scientists said on the press conference the other day, it's going to get worse before it gets yep. better. It's going to get worse. Apparently not Trump. Sorry. Yep. It was like, oh, oh. Georgia. 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 Oh, wait. She's, I closed the door, so she's stuck. Oh, oh it's probably the food getting delivered. Yeah. It's um our stepmother's 60th birthday today, and it's supposed to be this huge surprise party, and it, I feel so bad for our I poor father. I feel so bad for him. He was trying so hard to make this big surprise party that she's always wanted, and he, like, was already stressed out because of the, just the planning aspect, and he got so many people invited, did all this planning, had, like, ordered all this food to be delivered. Had an email chain going with the relatives. Yeah, it was, like, assigning people to do things and bring things, got all these decorations, and he was so stressed out because he's just, like, not... He's not a, a planner. He's not a planner. At all. And this coronavirus really set it off. Yeah, but because it was supposed to be at a church, and the church canceled all events, like, that day. He was like, I but didn't But it's going to be good. It. It's still, we're having it at our house with, like, less people, so it'll yeah, still be fine. it'll be fine, but if you're wondering if there's any sounds, that's it's probably yeah, food people, being delivered yeah. upstairs or something like that. All right, let's get into the story. So, um, this story is so interesting. I've never heard it before. Okay. Um, and I don't know what we're getting to label it. You know how we do, like, the yeah, non Yeah, yeah. Last time I wasn't sure either. What was that? Oh, the Silent Twins. Yeah, that's true. I'm going to call that one Phenomena. Yeah. This phenomena! One, this one's just um, American stupidity. Oh, my God. Y'all. <laughs> Maybe it's good Maybe we should right call now. that. Yeah. We should just do, call Say it American, American stupidity. stupidity. It's, like... Maybe not stupidity more than, well, yeah, stupidity and just being so weird. (laughs) Like, weirdness. I love it. Okay. So, I'm going to break this up into two parts. This story is about a man named Elmer McCurdy. And the first part I'm going to tell you about is the life of Elmer McCurdy. Okay. So, he was born in 1880 on New Year's Day in Washington, Maine. Do you know where that is? No. That's cool. And I live in Maine. Yeah. Um, Maine's a big state. Yeah, it's and really key, big. And low-key, like, I only the know the southern like, part that yeah, I live Yeah, like, in. the top, like, two-thirds of it. It's basically no Canada over there. Yeah. Um, 
So he was born in Washington, Maine to an unmarried 17-year-old girl named Sadie, Sadie McCurry. McCur- McCurdy. <laughs> His last name. McCurdy, yeah. Yeah, okay. I, I just spelled it wrong in my notes. Um, so it was really weird back then to... Not weird, but it, uh, it was considered bad taste, Like taboo. Yeah, taboo to be that young. Well, not that young, but not married. He was a, a bastard. A bastard Yeah, child. he was yeah. a bastard child. So he was adopted to, like, protect Sadie. He was adopted by Sadie's brother named George and his wife, Helen. And he didn't wasn't told he was adopted, so he believed that he was the child of them. And so he thought that his, aunt. who was his mother, was, was his, his aunt. aunt. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so George, his father, quotes father died in 1890 when he was 10 years old when elmer was 10 years old to tuberculosis um and then sadie and helen moved to bangor <gasps> i know bangor yeah the banger daily news i know that banger. One. banger i hardly even know her <laughs> so they moved to banger maine nice where sadie eventually told him that she was his real mother wow so obviously this shocked him and he basically turned from like a nice sweet kid to an alcoholic <laughs> teen um, and frequently acted out. So, he moved in with his grandfather uh, and became a plumber and did pretty well for himself until 1898 when economic downturn hit hard. Feel you, bro. And he lost his job. And then in 1900, his mother, his real mother, died of an ulcer. And his grandmother, I mean, sorry, his grandfather died a few months later. Wait, so, backing up a little. So, he found out his mom... His aunt was actually his mom, and mm-hmm. what did he do? He moved in with his grandfather. Because he was so upset. Yeah. Okay. I believe so. I believe it was because he was upset, but it might also just been circumstances he had to leave. I don't know. Okay. Okay. Um, and then his grandfather died. So his grandfather died and his mother died, so he didn't have any real family. What about his mother? I don't know. Yeah, that was weird. I was wondering like that, too. Like his fake mother. Yeah, I was, wondering, I was wondering that, too. I'm not sure. There's probably an answer, and I just didn't find it. Um, so you can maybe he's like you've been lying to me my whole life. Yeah, I think she, he just didn't want to have. He probably just didn't want to be associated with them anymore. Yeah, both of them. So he obviously didn't have a lot of income, and his alcoholism prevented him from really getting any steady jobs. So he became kind of a drifter throughout New England or throughout the Northeast, looking for jobs here and there. I think he was like a miner at some point. Um, but then he eventually ended up in Missouri, where he joined the army and trained the and trained in the use of nitroglycerin, which was a really popular explosive at the time. It still is a very popular. It was like the most popular at that time. Oh, popular! I don't know what, what I you thought say? you said. Powerful. <laughs> I thought you said powerful. Oh no, no, it was the most popular explosive during that time. And then he was honorably discharged from the army, so he started to use his skills that he learned in the real world he that he learned from the army in the real world so but more specifically he used the skills of, of exploding things. exploding things to start burgling burgling burglaring burglaring robbing Ro- robbing yeah he started robbing houses and trains and people um so at one point him and his friend were arrested for possessing the tools to burglarize um so like nitroglycerin and stuff like that that's a burglar tool. Yeah, apparently that's why i was confused i'm like wouldn't that i'd be like aren't you i'd be like are you making a bomb yeah exactly i think i'd be a little bit more worried about that but they were sent to trial and they convinced the judge that they were simply inventing a machine gun not trying to burgle people so the judge is like okay oh you're just making a machine gun. oh you're inventing a machine gun wait okay that's way more reasonable okay you can go 
Yeah, okay, bye. Take your nitroglycerin with you, and here's a little extra for the road. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, maybe I'll invest. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like this idea. You <laughs> got me sold. But it turns out he really wasn't that skilled in nitroglycerin. He must not have learned that much while he was uh, in, in the war, because he tried he tried his hardest to rob people, but it never really went his way. So, Aww. I know, poor guy. Um, what an anti-hero. He just was not very talented. <laughs> One time, he blasted a safe door off in an attempt to steal a goods. I think there was like $4,000 in there. But he used too much nitroglycerin and blew up all of the contents inside Oh, as my well. God. And I think there was, like, some coins he collected that were, like, on the side of the safe, like, melted in, but he could get them. I don't know. It was really... So he got something out of it, but not... That's rough for him. Uh, and then another time kind of, like, went the opposite way. He didn't put enough explosive in, so he wasn't <laughs> able to explode anything at all. Um, so he just took everything that wasn't locked in a safe and then just left. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and then, um, so in October 1911... These were, like, banks? Uh, I think they were trains, mostly. In October 1911, him and his two friends stopped a train that they thought... They heard that it had $400,000 on, like... I don't in like cargo, I guess. I don't like know. Like crap. So that's like millions. Yeah. So if you think of it like if yeah. that's the eighteen hundreds. So they're like jackpot. So they stopped the train somehow and they got on board and they realized it was just a passenger train, so <laughs> they were not given the right information, so they collected forty six dollars <laughs> from the people. They were like, this is gonna be big. Guys. Yeah. <laughs> they got forty six dollars and two bottles of whiskey oh from the passengers. God. They um, only got two bottles of yeah. whiskey. So a newspaper highlighted it as, quote, one of the smallest in the history of train robbery. <laughs> so this way he was pretty bummed out and uh, he decided just to go home to his hay shed because he doesn't have a house and um, just drink the whiskey. You until think he for was... someone who's like robbing so much, he'd have a little bit more money than that. Yeah, but he wasn't actually robbing. <laughs> he was just so bad at it. He's he still poor. So bad that he had to live in a hay shed. <laughs> So he just went back and just drank his whiskey that he got. Um, and at this point, he was also sick with tuberculosis, oh pneumonia, and something called trichinosis, which is like a parasite. Oh, infection. that was one of the things that Washington had, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, so he was not doing well. And then the next day, the police showed up at his shed um, and because they heard that he had robbed a train and were waiting for him to come out and arrest him, but... Instead, he just started shooting at them. I think he was really drunk um, with the whiskey, so he just started shooting them, and then they shot back, and um, they weren't sure which gun did it, but he died a, a, of a single gunshot wound to the chest when he was extremely inebriated. Damn. I think he was lying down when he got shot. Wait, really? <laughs> yeah, that's what it said, but I'm like, how does that like... work? Because they didn't actually see him. That's interesting. Okay. Okay, so that was part one. Okay, okay. So, that was his life. Part two is his body, post-mortem. Okay. So, <laughs> so his body was sent to a funeral home in Oklahoma to be... Uh, at this point, he was not in New England anymore. He was, like, Midwest area, oh, okay. like Kansas, okay. that kind of... those places. So, he, he must have been near Oklahoma when he died. So, he sent to a funeral home in Oklahoma to be claimed... 
the owner, Joe Johnson, embalmed the body with preservatives, which was common back then to keep the body intact when there was no next of kin. So it was like strong preservatives so the body wouldn't de- decompose while waiting for someone uh, to claim it. Oh, while they wait for like someone to confirm their identity? Right. So, But nobody came to claim the body, um, basically, but the funeral owner, jo- Johnson, didn't want to bury him because he wasn't going to get paid. So he was oh, like, God. I'm going to hold this body hostage until someone pays me, basically. Mm, I feel it. Yeah, he's like, I'm not going to... Yo, already... especially in such bad times. Yeah, I know. He's like, I already embalmed him. Like, I've spent money on this, and I've stored him. Like, I'm going to get my money. Yeah, sure. But he... So he kept the body stored in the back of the funeral home for literal months, like, waiting. And then he's like... How okay. long can it last? I don't know. A long, You'll see. A long time. Eventually, he was like, this is just costing me money, and I'm not getting anything back, and I'm probably not going to get paid by anybody to get rid of the body. So... So, but doesn't this happen, like, displaced people die, and there's a lot of people. Like, there's there must be so many people, basically, that are dying and don't have people to come get them. I think it might be a different thing now. Like, I don't think what happens in the story would happen today. Okay, so, like, maybe today, maybe back then, like displaced people just like weren't treated yeah i think like they probably wouldn't wait months and maybe the government would come in and right 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 pay for the services yeah so he's like i need to start making money on this thing um so what he decided to do was put the body stand it up on display in the funeral home put some clothes on him give him a rifle oh my god and have people pay a nickel to come see the body what why why would people want to i don't know but um for some reason. Oh, and then he named it the bandit who wouldn't give up, which is really sad. <laughs> That's so depressing. Um, so for some reason, everyone was extremely excited about this for some, what? For, for whatever reason. Um, they were like, yeah, I really want to see a dead body. Yeah. It became, but it's like, if you go to a wake, you can see a dead body. Yeah. It's not like I a novelty. I don't get it. Uh, but they, it became very popular, and he was making a lot of money from what? this attraction. But, and, and while this was being popular, popularized, he was getting a lot of offers from people to buy the body. What? And he realized he had, like, a gold mine, so he was like, no. Uh, and a, lo- a lot of the people who wanted to buy it were carnival workers, like, people who own carnivals. Yeah. To, like, have it in their show. Yeah. But he was turning them all down, saying, like, he knew that he was going to make more money by keeping the body, basically. So at this point, he's like, I don't want anyone to take the body. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm getting good oh good God. money off of it. So, you could charge a good amount, then, like, get all the stinky parts out, out of the way. Yeah, I know. It's going to eventually need to be dealt with. Yeah. So on October 6th, 1916, almost exactly five years <gasps> after he died. Wait, what? Yeah. Five years. Five years. No. Johnson got a call from someone named Aver, claiming to be Elmer's long-lost brother from California, and he and he got permission from the local sheriff to take custody of the body. What? So wait, like, did he stuff this body? Nope. As though like toxic. They just made? they literally just put preservatives on the body. What? A popular preservative back then was um, arsenic. Who's um, here? Joel. Hi. Oh, hi. Hi. It's Dad. Oh, hi, Dad. Hi. That's the man that spawned this podcast, literally. Ew. Ew. <laughs> it's not gross. It's just sex. It's nature. Ew. Ew. You can't say sex. You're my child. I gave you a book about it. I know. That was, that was actually pretty cool. Linda's reading it now. Yeah? Does yeah. she like it? I don't want to know. <laughs> so far she does, yeah. 
Cool. It's really warm. I know. Yeah, I'm sweating. (laughs) I'm I'm enunciating myself after hearing myself in an earlier podcast. I realize I need to project my voice and be clear. You're turning Italian. I said not Italian. (laughs) Now I am turning Italian. Hey, that's Italian face. But projecting my voice into the circular disc. Anyway. Okay, what do you need? I'm coming down to get a table because today, are you talking about the party that we already talked about the party? And we talked about how stressed you were. I'm. Fine, I'm absolutely fine. Leave me alone. <laughs> I'm coming down to get a banquet table, and that's it. So, uh, is it a good topic today? It's gonna be. It's about American stupidity. American stupidity. Yeah. Have you ever heard of Elmer McCurdy? No, but I imagine a guy with a funny hunting hat and a rifle. I picture oh, Elmer's glue. Yeah, me too. Oh. <laughs> okay, we're almost are, done. Are you yeah. gonna edit me out, or am I gonna make it to the podcast? Audrey's everyone, everyone this. loves it when your father's on the if podcast. If you're nice to me. Okay. Where was I? Okay, so five years later. So, someone called Aber claims he's the brother, and he gets permission to take the custody of the body. So, he showed up at the funeral home the next day with a guy named Wayne. <laughs> That's the son of our father dragging a table. <laughs> uh, so, this guy... <laughs> this guy named Wayne... Um, also claimed to be his long lost brother. They're like, we're both his long lost brother, and then oh, they God. just took his body and left. How did they both took his body? Yep. They, they were, were like, like, we'll share it. Well, they're brothers with oh. each other, and like also. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. Um, they were like, yeah, we're gonna ship his body to San Francisco and get a proper burial. So everyone's like, okay. So they put him on a train. And how did he get to Maine? Because they don't know who his dad is, his real dad. Okay. So I think that's what they're pointing. At. Okay. They're like, oh, our dad is the, his dad. Um, so they're like, oh, we're going to put him on a train to San Francisco. So they put him on a train to Kansas. <laughs> Close enough. Um, because they were not, in fact, his brother. Who would have guessed? Um, but they were actually people, brothers themselves, named James and Charles Patterson, who owned a carnival. And they were related to a man who acted as a vampire in a That's really Pattinson. hit shit. But I think James Patterson, isn't that a name of Oh, a, that's an author. author. So, this is a different guy, I think. (laughs) Um, But James and Charles Patterson, they owned a carnival named Great Patterson Carnival Shows. Good. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yep. So, they featured his body in their carnival, and they titled the exhibit The Outlaw Who Would Never Be Captured Alive. Um, And they kept this exhibit. That's too long. (laughs) They kept this exhibit in their traveling show for six years. Before uh, wait, so it's twelve. It's eleven years old now. Yeah, the body. Yeah. <gasps> yep. Um, Ew, that has to smell. F- yeah. So bad. Actually, it's probably more than six years. Cause actually, no, that's right. That's right. Um, more, uh, six years before it was sold to someone named Lewis Sunny. So Lewis Sunny bought this body because he had a himself had a traveling show. Actually, I think he bought the entire carnival out because they were selling the whole thing. But with that carnival, he gets the body. And he used the body in a traveling show that he owned that exhibited wax figures of popular criminals, and he called it Museum of Crime. So everything else was just wax figures. Do you think everyone that came knew that That's that one was I real? I was wondering the entire time. At this point, it must look like wax. Yeah. With the amount of preservatives no, 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 that I'll, must I'll be I'll kind of it. address that later. Okay. Then, in 1933... It was acquired for some time while while Lewis Sunny still owned it. It was acquired by a director named uh, Dwayne Esper to promote his film called Nor- Narcotic. So he used the body as decor, decor, 
decor decor in uh and she goes like that's not right in theaters that played the movie so they would like people would be going to the movies to see this and they would see like a dead corpse Blech. yeah Ugh. and he named it the dead dope fiend because he said it was someone who'd killed themselves after robbing a drugstore because he was a druggie the dead dope fiend yeah um wow and, and everyone's just like at this point, no one even, like, knows who this guy is. No. I mean, They're it's, like, as over time, it's, like, like, Lewis Sonny knows who it is. But this, the, the identity is getting, like, like further and further from the time where yeah. he died. So it's, people are starting to not know who it is. Whoa. Um, so his body was now mummified. Yeah. Because it's been years and years and years. Yeah. His skin had been shriveled. So the director <gasps> was, like, that's proof he was a druggie. Because it's tripled Oh my up. god, it's because it's been like 10, over 10 years. Yeah. I don't know, at this what? point it's been uh, 22 years. <gasps> yeah. Oh my god. So, um, fast forward to 1949, <gasps> 38 years after his death, Louis Sonny died, and the body of Elmer was placed in storage in a warehouse in LA. Somebody and bury this poor man. I know. But no one, like, at this point, no there's one even knows storage, yeah. so no one They're like, it. it's not a body to be buried anymore. Yeah. It's just a body. It's just a, a decoration. It's just um, decor. And in 1964, Sonny's son gave permission for a filmmaker named David F. Friedman to use the body in his movie called She Freak, which premiered in 1967. Whoa, so it's not even, like, a dummy in that movie. It's just, like, someone's actual yeah. dead body that they're using. That's, yeah. like, so... Do you think people know it's really a dead body? At this point, I don't think people know. People can't, like, aren't I actually think, realizing it's legit. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, in 1968, Dan Sonny, who is Lewis's son, um, sold the body and the other wax figures to someone named Spoonie Singh, the owner of Hollywood Wax Museum. For ten thousand dollars, I think at this point, Spoonie doesn't know that not all of them are wax. Yeah, I think he thinks they're all wax. Okay, so Spoonie he just like bought all the wax stuff. Yeah, so Spoonie lent the all of the figures to um, two Canadian men who exhibited them at a show at Mount Rushmore. So they just like did a wax showing, and one of them was a real body. That's so scary. Ah. Wait, and then whoa. even weird, even grosser. While at the show. Um, a windstorm came through and blew the tips of the of his ears off, <gasps> as well as his fingers and his toes off. So they're just gone in the wind. I wonder what it looked like. I know. Like, it was clearly not wax yeah. at that point. Like, <laughs> yeah. Aren't they like, whoa, there's a bone in there? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So then Sing, when Singh got the, um, the body back, he looked at it and saw that its ears and its toes and its fingers were missing and he's like this is too gruesome it doesn't look like lifelike enough to put in the exhibit he's like yeah it doesn't look lifelike enough it looks too it looks too gruesome to put in the wax museum so he sold the body to someone named ed lersh i think who owned part of the pike which was an amusement park in long beach california he hung the body in a fun house exhibit that was called laugh in the dark at the pike and he definitely, I don't, I still don't think he knew that it was a real he body. He can't. He can't. Yeah. It can't. So people were going through this exhibit and just, like, thinking it was a prop. Yeah. But it was a real body. Oh, my God. Um. Oh, my God. That's so wild. Yeah. So on December 8th, 1976, so it wasn't in, it, well, at least it wasn't in the funhouse for too long. It was just, like, a year at most. But still, it's just, like, 
been almost i feel like it's been like a hundred years since this dude oh died. yeah um yeah the film crew so on, and on december 8th 1976 the film crew on the movie six million dollar man oh my god were doing a scene at the pike when they noticed a mannequin hanging in the funhouse they became deeply disturbed when one of his arms fell off <gasps> and showed actual human bone and tissue underneath so they're like we gotta call the police because <laughs> this is wrong so they called the police the police took the corpse to get an autopsy and the autopsy said that it was a male who died of a gunshot wound so they know that much so far the body itself was petrified and covered in wax and paint Oh my god! And I think it, people are just like yeah. at the point at a certain point they're just like this isn't real. We'll just like yeah. put fake makeup on it and yeah. make it look different. Yep. And oh I think god. it weighed like fifty pounds. They found they also found part of the bullet that killed him still inside him, and they realized that the bullets those kinds of bullets hadn't been made since nineteen forty. So they're like, dude, this guy is old. Inside of his mouth was a penny from nineteen twenty four. What? Yeah, I don't know. How did it get in there? I don't know. Probably when they were, like, on display, people were putting stuff in their mouth True. or something. And there's also tickets to the Museum of Crime. And they also took a tooth to do DNA testing. So, with the, the hint of the Museum of Crime, they contacted Dan Sonny, who confirmed it was the body of Elmer McCurdy. So, they... <laughs> Americans. They decided to wait to bury him. Just in case the family stepped forward. Oh my god, stop. <laughs> no. Oh my god. Um, which obviously they, they didn't step forward. So eventually, <laughs> on April 22nd, 1977, 66 years after he was killed, he was buried in Summit View Cemetery in Guthrie, Oklahoma. And his funeral was attended by about 300 people. I think just people that are like... What the fuck's happening? Downed by this, (laughs) how this happened. Um, And then to make sure that no one would attempt to steal a body, they poured two feet of concrete on top of the casket. Oh my god. So no one can dig him up. And that is the story of the body of Elmer McCurdy. That is absolutely batshit. Yeah. Holy cow. That's so weird. So, I'm like, how... Did people think that was okay? I don't... What I don't understand is, like, why were people... Like, why was it so successful in the beginning? When right. he was like, I'll just stand him up and give him a gun. And I think even through the whole circus, people knew it was body. And when it was exhibited in the movie theaters, it, they knew it was a body. It was only when it went to the fun house that they didn't know it was what? a body. Yeah. Why was that, like, something... Maybe at the movie theater, I can see it as a gimmick, though very disrespectful. But at that point in time, I don't think anyone cared about that. Yeah. But, like... Why would you go, like, look at a body standing up for, like, a, a nickel or whatever? Like, you know. could... Everyone was dying back then anyway. No, They saw, like, three bodies a year I know. at least for free. I know. Weird. I guess it just became, like, a known attraction. Like a, yeah, it was just like, like everyone has to go see this body. Yeah. Wild. Okay, give me a giggle. All right. Even though this wasn't that scary, but very funny It wasn't scary. Yeah, it was just like, how it was we... Just, do that my country um i'm going to another office episode because those are easy oh love it i can't remember which ones we've done uh just give me just give one and i'll say if it's not uh did we do stress relief part one i don't think so okay so another iconic office episode mm. if you haven't seen it one of the best cold opens so good in history of television <laughs> wait the cold open of stress relief part, four, part is one the, the ch- was the chili no it's the one with the fire. 
oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny it's, it is one of the best cold opens it's just today smoking is gonna save, save lives, lives. <laughs> Save Bandit. <laughs> and then also... I'm only 82 pounds! And also, um... Also in that episode is the dummy scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's another one. The dummy scene is, scene is the best scene of yeah. The Office yeah. ever. Yeah, ever. Yeah. yeah. Like, Dinner Party is the best episode. Dummy scene is the best scene. Yeah, I yeah. can quote that entire scene. I could read it. Where's the heart? The precious heart. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't realistic in the movies. Turns, Turns out, out it's, it's pretty, pretty realistic. realistic. <laughs> Five thousand three hundred dollars for a dummy. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna go join this party now. But if you guys want to follow us on Instagram, follow us at One Eye Open Podcast. Or, what did you say, Instagram? Yeah, follow us on Twitter at One Eye Open Pod. Or give us a like on Facebook, One Eye Open Podcast. And definitely go give us a rate and review on Apple uh, Music, Apple Podcast, Apple, Apple Podcast. Podcast. Um, and if you have any of your own stories, shoot us an email at oeopod at gmail.com. That's it for today. See you next week. Stay safe. Yeah, don't cough into your elbows, people, and don't shake anyone's hands. Don't panic. Please. <laughs>